Thank you so much for joining us for this journey through the book of Romans by Pastor Sumiko Stroud of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located in Bremen, Georgia. To find out more information about our ministry, just log on to www.kingdomrock.org. And now here is Pastor Sumiko Stroud with part two, Journey Through the Book of Romans. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Now, it can be further broken down into three different sections uh, with Paul, first of all, giving, um, making an effort to link to the church at Rome by providing his credentials, uh, then section 2, his concern for them, and then 3, his confidence in the message uh, that he is preaching. So, we're going to start out again real quick with just chapter, uh, with verse 1. Now, the interesting part about Romans uh, is that the first seven verses are actually one sentence. One very long sentence, but one sentence. Uh, so we're going to go through it real quick. Now, we won't spend as much time on it this week since we covered it rather thoroughly last week, but we will do just a little bit of review. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, <coughs> excuse me, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That was a mouthful. Now we're going to try to make it through those 17 verses uh, this morning. <clears throat> Anything jump out at you while we were reading it? There's quite a bit of information in there. Now, I mean, I'm just saying if we were going to write a letter today, to put all of that in, and that's just the greeting. That's just the, what we replace now is the dear Rome. That's <laughs> what we would. <laughs> okay, so there's a lot packed in there. So let's start back up with uh, first the first part, uh, his credentials. Okay, and that covers verses 1 through, 
you know, I should have that in my notes and I don't. One through something. We'll stop when we get there. One through seven. One through seven uh, covers his credentials. And we talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, Paul, a servant, um, meaning a bond slave, slave by choice of Jesus Christ, because he realized I had a debt so big I couldn't pay it. Uh, and Christ paid that debt for me. And I'm still willing to stay and serve on his behalf. Called to be an apostle, a messenger, so to speak, uh, someone who's been commissioned, has the authority to do something, to go forth and accomplish a task. Uh, so that is his calling, and that is what he has been busy about doing. Separate into the gospel of God. Uh, not a gospel by man, but this is good news uh, from God that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again, and is now able and willing to save all of those who will trust in him. Okay, now, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, verse 2. Now, this is a gospel that he has promised afore, which was previous, means that he said something about it before, Prophets, uh, God's messengers, uh, holy scriptures. We're talking about the sacred writings of the Bible. And what this is telling us is there are several accounts in the Old Testament that um, preview or pretell uh, the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, that will also pretell of the suffering that he will go through. Um, so those prophecies that were there, and he came and fulfilled those. So that's what he's telling us is this is the Christ, this is what we were promised. Now, remember that Paul, uh, before he was separated unto the gospel of God, he was separated unto what? He was a Pharisee. And what does that mean? He knew his stuff. Yeah, he knew the laws. Um, he was a Jew. Uh, he knew the Old Testament. He knew the prophets. He, he knew the word. So for him to say, you know, look, he's the, Jesus is the fulfillment of what the prophets told us. It's not just somebody who heard something somewhere, but this is somebody who studied and would know what those prophecies were. And so he's, uh, again, letting them know, all right, this is, this is what this is about. So there are several Old Testament references to the birth of Christ. One being Isaiah 7:14 tells of the virgin birth. Uh, Isaiah 53, uh, beginning with verse 1, talks about the birth and the death of, of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Isaiah 53. Jeremiah 23 uh, also foretells of Christ, and there are many, many others uh, that you can look at. Just spending time reading uh, the, the uh, prophets uh, in the Old Testament, and they will foretell. And then when we read about Jesus' coming in the New Testament, we can see how those prophecies are fulfilled. Okay, verse 3. We're moving right along. <laughs> verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Now, concerning, easy word, it means it has to do with um, Jesus Christ. Now, made of the seed of David. Remember when we were talking about the different religions or beliefs in the world today. One of the things that we talked about, about Jesus, about Christianity, that was so different is that Jesus was... Two things. He was both human and both divine. And in some other beliefs, they you appreciate him as a teacher. They recognize his humanity, but they don't recognize his divinity. So here we're talking about of the seed, made of the seed of David. We're going to look at Jesus' humanity. 
Okay, and we can see that there are a couple of genealogies. Now, you know when how when you read the New Testament, so-and-so begot so-and-so in that long passage, and we usually, your eyes glaze over and you just kind of skip over it. A little important. So uh, that talks about the um, the humanity of Jesus. Now, there are two genealogies, Matthew 1 and Luke 3. When you read them, at first, they seem a little bit similar. And then as you go on through, some of the names are different. And so you may be tempted to say, well, wait a minute. These are contradicting each other because this is saying that somebody begot so-and-so and this other one, they have names different altogether. Well, the difference being is a perspective of the genealogies. Matthew 1 gives us the lineage of Jesus through Joseph, which would have been considered um, his legal lineage. Now, Joseph was Jesus' stepfather. He would have been like his adoptive father, you know, so to speak. And so any legal lines of inheritance would have come through that way. But we know that Joseph was, in fact, not the father of Jesus, because why? Then we would have not had the whole, he's divine part, okay? So Matthew gives us the genealogy of Jesus as it relates to Joseph. So that's his legal line. Luke gives us the genealogy of Jesus as it relates to Mary, which would have been the blood lineage, the bloodline. Now, there's a little bit of difference between the two, but one of the prophecies from the Old Testament says that Jesus comes through the house of David, right? So there has to be that common connection. Um, and we know from our studies in Old Testament that who would inherit it? Who would inherit um, in families? Would it be the daughters? It would just be the sons. Well, then there became in numbers a situation. There was a man who died who had no sons. He only had daughters. And so they came to Moses saying, well, what, what do we do? And so Moses goes to God, and in that situation where there are no sons, the girls, the daughters could, in fact, inherit, providing that they married somebody in their own tribe. Because uh, the lands were dispersed by tribes. Marrying somebody in their own tribe would make sure that that land inheritance stayed with that tribe. That was a situation that happened with Mary. There were no sons, and so she inherited, provided she married somebody in her tribe, Joseph fit the bill. So we have the lineage through Joseph can be traced back to the house of David through his son Solomon. There were some issues there as far as the kingdom staying in Solomon's reign. Uh, you can study that on your own. Uh, and um, I'm missing an L. Okay, and then Mary's um, lineage can be traced back through another of David's sons, his oldest, Nathan, which when you know a little bit, study a little bit about that, about the oldest, you know, being the um, right to inherit. So that covers him from both angles. So we have his humanity here, and we see fulfilling of prophecy that he is through the seed of David, through the line of David, whether we look at his legal lineage through his stepfather or blood lineage through Mary. 
Okay, so that gives us just a little bit of insight there into the humanity of Christ. Okay, now the next part moves us to uh, verse 4 and declared to be the Son of God. All right, so here we go. Declared, this has nothing about being made or being born. Uh, We're declared Son of God, and that brings us to what side of Jesus? To his divinity. Okay, he had to be declared the Son of God. Uh, This is not something we're going to trace through family tree, but this is God saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So he's being declared uh, the divinity portion of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.15 says he is the image of the invisible God. Okay? All right, with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of Jesus did not tell us who he was. It didn't make him be the son of God, but the resurrection proved, was further proof of his divinity, of him being the son of God. So we see how all of that ties in together, and this is still Paul presenting himself, uh, excuse me, to the Roman church by letting them know. Now, if somebody were writing me a letter and they're giving me all this information, I'm, I'm sort of getting comfortable. Okay, this dude knows what he's talking about. Perhaps he's going to be able to give us a little information. You know, we got a little background on who he is. He's giving us uh, some background on, on the word of God. And remember him being called to be an apostle. Uh, well, apostles did what? They set foundations. So this is some very valuable foundation uh, type information that they may or may not have had because we don't know who started the Roman church. Uh, there has not been one of the apostles that has gone there. And so um, he needs to make sure that they are on a good foundation. Okay? Okay. That moves us on to verse 5. By whom we've received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Now, grace we've talked about quite a bit. The unmerited, unearned favor of God is nothing we can do to deserve grace. There's nothing we can do to earn grace. We can't be good enough. That's why it's grace. And that's why, you know, in relation to the song, it's so amazing, right? Because it covers us and it is available to us regardless of who we are or what we've done. And apostleship. Now, interesting that it says by whom we've received grace and apostleship. So he's saying we. So are we all apostles as well? Should y'all be going out founding some churches? We're apostles in the sense that we are missionaries. Missionaries in the sense that we are supposed to be doing what? We are. We're supposed to be spreading the word of God. We're supposed to be spreading the good news, the gospel. We've all been called to do that. Now, we will probably do it in different ways. There are some people who spend their lives actually on what we call the mission field, and they go from one place to the other where the gospel has not been and make sure that everybody has had a chance to hear the word of God. Now, there are some people who will just will go about their lives. They've been called to do other things, but even in the process of living, they will spread the word of God through just the people in their circles. That won't be their nine to five, but it's a part of their you know, lifestyle. But we all have been 
called to be missionaries. Apostles in the sense that we are to spread the good news. What else do you do with good news, right? You're supposed to tell it. Now, we're all good with spreading bad news. We just have to be better at spreading the good news. Okay, and there are many ways to do that um, and many opportunities to do that if we just look for them. Now, if you're not trying to find a way, then you won't. But if you're looking, if you get up every day and say, Lord, help me be a blessing in someone's life today. Help me be an example of your love. Help me to share your word uh, with somebody today. Opportunities will present themselves. So we just have to be ready uh, to go. We have to recognize that we're called and be ready to go. All right, as we move on down, it will further say um, in verse 7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Now, we have a different little interpretation of what we think of when we hear the word saints. And we usually equate it with something uh, Catholic church related, uh, somebody that's dead, that you know so many wonderful things have been accomplished by them, and there's a saint for different kinds of things that you know you can some even pray to different saints for different protection uh, but that's not the true meaning of what the word is we've all been called to be saints because a saint is somebody that's trusted in jesus christ and been set apart for his use so i could go around and call, i could call you saint kelly if you so inclined <laughs> If, you, if we were so inclined to, because that's what we've been called to be. We are called of God, called to be saints, called to be set apart, trusting in him, uh, being a bondservant to him, okay? So it's not something you have to wait until you're dead and so many miracles happen around, I think it's miracles that have happened to, uh, uh, in the vicinity of your corpse or something. I don't know, but you don't, we don't have to wait for that. We've been called to be saints. Um, we are people who exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Now that gets us all of Paul's credentials in section one. Are we all still together? All right, good. Okay, so now we're going to look at his concern. Because if somebody is writing to you saying that I've been trying to get out there. I have some things I want to share with y'all. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I like for, to know that the people who are teaching me, uh, the people who are over me, so to speak, are concerned about me, that I'm more than just a feather in their cap or just a number that they can say they've got um, 20 churches with a 1,000 members each. I want when my name comes up that they know a little bit about me and be concerned about me. And so Paul is going to forge another link with his audience by showing his concern. And he says, first of all, we're in verse 8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of through the whole world. What a wonderful testimony. Now, for their purposes, the whole world was the Roman Empire. Okay? And that covered quite a bit of land. But it's not what we think of as the whole world as all seven continents had heard of the church at Rome. Now, this is all over the whole Roman Empire. Um, their faith in this ministry, in that church, that, that body of believers, um, had been spoken of. Now, that would be a wonderful testimony, wouldn't it? 
for somebody to say, somebody to write to, to Pastor Stroud and say, I want to get out there at Kingdom Rock because all over Georgia I hear about the faith that you all have. <laughs> or even all over the United States, your faith is spoken of. Wonderful testimony. So that's encouraging to him. And he's telling him, I'm thankful for that, that you all, that that testimony, that, you know, where he is, because Paul is writing this letter from Corinth. He's in Greece. And so to be able to say, now there weren't telephones and emails and uh, Facebook and all of that. So this is word of mouth and letters that are, you know, so as people are traveling, that they are, that word to, has gotten to him of the faith of this ministry that's in Rome. And so he says, I'm thankful uh, to you uh, that your faith is spoken of. And then he's, he prays for them. He says, for God is my witness uh, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Encouraging, right? That I've heard about you and I am desperately praying, you know, for you that God's will be done in your life. I appreciate somebody praying for me. I'm sure you all appreciate somebody praying for you. And we don't always know who's praying for us. But it's, it's, it's wonderful to know that there's somebody out there that is praying for our success, that we will continue to learn in the word of God, that we will continue to grow, that our faith will be spoken of throughout the whole world. So he's letting them know, I've heard about you. I'm praying for you. And he longs to come and share with them. He wants to not only impart something into their lives, but he's also coming to receive. He knows that once he gets there, he's going to be blessed by them as well. And that is how it should be. When I stand up before you all and I am teaching you, not only am I hoping to impart something into you, but I'm hoping to get something back from you. We want this to be, you know, to it because when all you do is just give out and give out and give out and you never take anything in, you get empty after a while. And so there should be some kind of relational give and take. Um, otherwise, I mean, we're saying that their, their faith is spoken of throughout the whole region. So there's got to be something, right? They got to be doing something right. There has to be something that they know of. And so Paul is saying, I'm looking forward to not only coming and imparting to you, but sharing in your faith, learning something from you, receiving a blessing from you so that together uh, we can be comforted. Together we can grow uh, and relate to one another. Okay. All right, now that moves us on to number three, his confidence. And he expresses this by three what we call I am statements. Some declarative sentences where he says, uh, beginning in verse 13, no, 14. We're talking about debt again, just like we were a bond servant because we had a debt we couldn't pay. Um, he's going to talk about being indebted again. He says, I'm debtor uh, both to the great, well, verse 13, first of all. He says, I wouldn't have you ignorant. I've been trying to get out there, but, I, but I've been hindered. Right? There's been several things that have been come up and I've been, that have come up and I haven't made it out there. Some hindrances, you know, were due to his work in other places doing the work of God. Some may have been just hindrances, you know, of the devil not wanting you to get to where you need to be. But sometimes we can be hindered. 
we can want to do. We are all set to go and we want to go somewhere. And we know God has called us to go, but we can be hindered. Now, sometimes we are the hindrance. We know that God has called us to go and we just, well, I just don't feel like going today. It's what I like to call good sleeping weather. It's nice and cool and rainy outside and it's Monday morning and I have stuff to do. But my bed is so comfortable. And I can stay here. And then we start to justify, I do so much all the time. There's nothing wrong with taking just this day off and relaxing. And there's nothing wrong with the occasional day off. But if there's somewhere you're supposed to be and something that you need to be doing, don't let you be the hindrance. Because we don't know who's out there, whose lives we are going to touch that day. And I would hate to miss the opportunity to impart something to someone and them impart something into me because I just wanted to lay around in the bed. Or I just wanted to watch just one more hour of TV, you know, that kind of thing. So we have to be careful about what we allow to hinder us. And there will be times when we truly are hindered and there's nothing we can do about it. But even then we can take a lesson from Paul. He was hindered in going. So he did the next best thing. He sent this letter. Yes, ma'am. Sometimes we're hindered with somebody who aggravates us and they call you. Like, I don't yes. Right now, but sometimes you end up talking even though you have that spirit and you end up witnessing to them and helping them. Right. Our ad- that's very good. Our attitude will, because it could be, you know, like you say, it's somebody's calling, they've got a bad attitude, and we let that keep us from giving them the word of God. Or we let that keep us from doing what we need to do uh, because of them. And we're not responsible for their actions. We don't even get to use that as an excuse. Well, Lord, I would have witnessed to them, but they're just so hard-headed. They weren't going to listen to nothing I had to say. And he didn't. And he'll say, what? I called you to be the missionary to spread the word of God. I didn't call you to pick who you were going to share the word with. When I gave you this gift to do or to be, we all have been called to do something. We all have gifts and talents that help make us as a creation flow smooth and work better together. We don't get to pick and choose who we're going to use those gifts and talents for, okay? Because I wouldn't want somebody saying, well, I know some stuff that would help Samiko, but I just don't like what she has on today, so. You know, I wouldn't want that. But sometimes we will judge people and say, well, I have something for them, but I don't like the way she looked at me. She didn't speak when she saw me over at the food bank. I know she saw me and she didn't speak. And we'll say, well, if she didn't speak to me, I ain't going to speak to her. And we just, you know, how we will let things like that instead of don't worry about what that other person is doing. That has nothing to do with you. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Let me just take care of me and let me do what I'm supposed to do. And if they don't receive your message, well, that's on them. But at least you have it out there. Even if you have to run by and scream it at them, you know, because they don't want to listen, you know, kind of thing. And we were at, it reminds me, we were at the, the homecoming parade, but at the end of it, the police car is coming up. And some of the people were like, well, you want some candy? He was like, no, I have some. They've just been throwing it in my car as I ride by. So we may have to do that as they ride by. Throw, your, throw the message out there 
And whether they want it or not, he had a seat full of candy, whether he was going to eat it or not. And then he decides what is he going to do with this gift that he's, re- whether he's received. Right. Drive by preach. Just holler it out there. Get the word out there to him. <laughs> and then whether they receive it, at least they will have been exposed. And, you know, once we get the seed out there, God can work in it in so many marvelous ways. And you never know what just those words spoken when they are in another situation, they may remember. And sometimes things that dramatic will come back to you. That crazy lady at the food bank kept yelling something at me about God loves me. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe I'm not out here by myself. Maybe I should look into to that kind of thing. All right, so Paul says he was hindered, um, but he went. Um, in verse 14, I'm debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, and you got to love the Greeks. Nothing to do with present-day Greeks. But Greeks back then, if you were not Greek, you were barbarian, uncivilized. So he's telling them, I am indebted not to just the civilized people, but the uncivilized people. Not to just the wise, but also to the unwise, because they were the philosophers of the day. And so you were either Greek or you were everybody else. And so he's letting him them know that I am indebted to everybody. Now, how was he indebted? Does that mean he owed them all money? No, because he was called to be an apostle. He was indebted because of his calling. He had a responsibility to share the good news, to teach the word of God, to provide a good foundation uh, for those who were learning, who were just learning of the gospel. And he took that seriously. Now, how many of us would take it that seriously and say, I'm indebted to? Now, especially if you're somebody that values your credit. Now, if you don't value credit, you can be indebted to anybody. You don't care. You don't have no intention to pay your bills. But if you're somebody that likes to pay your bills and is concerned about your good name, if we were to consider the, uh, the vision that God has given us and we say, well, you know, the Lord told me to do Thus and so, I'm indebted. Like if Elderware were to say, okay, the Lord told me to have this food bank, I'm indebted to anyone that needs food. So then what does that mean for her? When somebody comes along and needs food, she doesn't get to say, yeah, I don't feel like fixing it. Call back, make an appointment. Right? She doesn't get to say that. She has to, because I'm indebted, when the opportunity arises, <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that's what, you know, but I'm saying just an example. When the opportunity arises, you don't get to look at how you feel. Because think about those of us who are naturally indebted. Pastor and I are indebted to our mortgage company. So whether we feel like going to work or not, we have to send them a check that has money to cover it every month or give up our house. And, you know, that's just the way it is. And if you're indebted to some people, even if you give up the object, you still owe them the money, right? Cars, if you get indebted with a car, if you give up the car and they don't recoup their money, you still owe them the money. So how many of us go to work when we don't feel like it? How many of us have even worked jobs we didn't like because we needed the money? Because we were indebted. Even if you didn't owe for things, you have this little, you know, addiction to eating, 
You like the finer things in life? I like when I flip a switch, electricity comes on. I have become accustomed to indoor plumbing. Now, I used to have to visit this lady when I was younger that didn't have it, and we tried to take care of all possible business before we went to her house (laughs) and not eat or drink while you were there, lest something come up, you know. So, you know, I'm indebted to the finer things in life. So because of that, sometimes I have to be inconvenienced to make that happen. If we are indebted to what God has called us to do, Paul says, I'm a debtor. I'm in debt to you all. The wise, the unwise, you know, the free, the slave, the whoever. I'm indebted to everybody to get the word of God out there. So I have to do it. He owes it. He has to do what God has called him to do. And we're, we're out of time, but we're going to finish this up right quick. <laughs> he also says, I am ready. Right? Not, only am I, not only do I know I owe it, but I'm ready and I'm eager to do what I need to do. I want to come out there to share the word of God with you all because I know that once I come there, it's going to open some doors for me to go somewhere else. And there's some other people that I can get to that maybe I can't get to from here. So not only do I owe the debt, so that, that takes it to another level. I'm not just doing it grudgingly. That's not me working a job that I hate because I need the income. That is, I'm going to work. I love what I do and I can fulfill what I need to do. You know, I can pay my debt and I can enjoy this that I'm doing while I'm paying my debt. I'm ready. I'm eager to go. And then he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that seems like an odd statement to make until you look at a little of the backstory. The gospel was um, what equated with a Jewish carpenter who had been crucified, which was like the lowest form of death sentence at the time. And the Jews were not somebody that the Romans looked upon, you know, with favor. So here you are equating yourself with somebody who maybe, you know, in the eyes of the people you're talking to is not that great. You'd have reason to be ashamed. And then Christianity as well was something was, um, well, it was considered the way, they were followers of the way at the time, was also something where they talked about brotherhood, everybody was equal, everybody was entitled to salvation. And you're speaking this in a culture that was proud of their hierarchies. You had the free, you had the slave, you had the wise, you had the unwise. So we're looking at somebody that, you're speaking to people who like their differences in society and coming to them with a message of, we're all brothers. And if you're at the top of the totem pole, you don't want to all be brothers. If you're at the bottom, then you're like, hey, show me some love. (laughs) But, you know, so he's coming and he's saying, I realize what I'm representing and I'm not ashamed of this gospel because I know that there's power in it, that it brings deliverance. Salvation is deliverance. It brings deliverance to everybody. Yes, ma'am, our last comment. They, they looked on it as a cult. Yep, and and so then you have Paul, who is not only a Jew, but remember he was a Roman citizen, so he was somebody. So he really kind of not to say to bring some credence to the to the faith, but he was a big deal. And for him to say, "I'm a part of this, and I'm not ashamed," 
because I know the power that's behind it. I know that it is of God. I know that it is something that we need. And I know that it has the ability. Now he's talking again to the Romans who were known for their military strength. They're out conquering everybody. And so he's saying that this gospel has the power to do what even the Roman Romans can't do. You are physically strong, yes, but Rome was considered a very immoral place. I mean, you've got people coming in from all over. You've got all these cultures that you've conquered. It was even described by some people as a cesspool, a sewer, uh, and the immorality that went along. And Paul says this gospel has the power to fix that, to deliver you from that. Okay, And so he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Another reason that uh, that they would have con- that he could have been considered a shame is that uh, you know the gospels originated from Jerusalem, which was the capital of Israel, which is one just another of the small countries that Rome had conquered. So you're saying this great thing is coming out of somebody that we conquered, you know, no big deal. All right, so that brings us to the end. We almost finished. What well, we did, we got to verse 16. We didn't cover verse 17. Well. We'll overlap a little bit next week. But we're going to move on to section two uh, on the outline. So as you're studying, take your notes. Um, one quick thing, and thank you all. We'll go ahead and dismiss. Thank you for being a part of a Sunday school class this morning. Thank you for your participation. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.